You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. And welcome, folks, to another show here at Dublin South FM. And I have an amazing guest here today. Doesn't need any introduction in my life. He actually helped me along with his books and his videos in my spiritual journey, in my awakening. And I have to say, it's an honor today to have Greg Braden on the show. Greg, how are you? So I am honored as well to be with you. And uh, I'm thank you for my kind introduction. I didn't know that I was helping you, but I'm, I'm happy that my... My experience, my path that I recorded in the books uh, was able to help you and yours. And I'm, I'm looking forward to our program today. I'm, I'm coming to you from a, uh, this is a new studio uh, outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico, where we are recording for a series called Ancient Civilizations. So you're seeing some, uh, that's why you're seeing the set that you're seeing behind me. And, uh, and I'm happy good. to be with you today. This is my set here. This is my office, home office, since we're on lockdown in Ireland and we can't go into the studio. So yeah. this is where we're coming from. Greg, I want to, there's a couple of things that, that you know, that I sort of play around with and I'm sort of exploring at the moment. And I know a lot of other people are as well. And it's to do with consciousness and it's to do with a belief system and our emotions um, I did a TED talk a couple of years ago talking about, you know, becoming consciously aware about our own thoughts and our, in, we should only look after our thoughts inside and don't worry about everything outside. And I think it's quite appropriate with what's going on in the world at the moment with lockdown and a virus. And I wanted to just kind of ask you, what do you recommend or how do people sort of lose that fear and raise to that higher vibration to discover who they are and how they can grow in a crazy world today? Well, well, that's a, uh, there are actually multiple questions in that single question. So I, I think uh, I would begin the, the conversation. There's an emerging philosophy in uh, now in mainstream science, not so much fringe, and, uh, you know, the unknown scientist, but this is gaining popularity uh, very quickly, an emerging philosophy. And let me share the philosophy and then the implications, I think, may lead to the answer to the question. The philosophy says that consciousness informs itself through its creations. So right there, first of all, mainstream science is now accepting the fact that consciousness is uh, is something that it is not an abstract concept, uh, but it is a an energetic field, and the discoveries uh, rock solid science from places like the CERN uh, superconducting super collider in uh, the, the the largest human made machine that straddles the border between France and Switzerland. Uh, they now have confirmed that in fact there is a field of energy. <laughs> that underlies all of existence, all of creation. There is a, a fundamental field that has been referred to philosophically for a very long time. And our most ancient and cherished spiritual traditions have always talked about this field that ultimately unifies everything. So the idea that consciousness now is a part of this field uh, is giving mainstream scientists a reason to think differently about consciousness when, when we talk about consciousness. 
So this emerging philosophy, Joe, it says that consciousness informs itself. It teaches itself things through its creations. Well, what are its creations? That's what we put into the world. These are the things that we create, our art, our music, our cinema. Uh, and when you begin to look at the world around us, uh, including technology, through the lens of this emerging philosophy, it's a very interesting exploration. Because, you know, when we look, at, just take Hollywood cinema, for example. I mean, Hollywood, you know, and mainstream movies, they're all over the place. They're, you know, about a lot of different things specifically. But if you look in general, there are general themes that play out in the most popular films. So, for example, I, I think the, the blockbuster movie, The Matrix, the, the first one was the good one. Yeah. When The Matrix came out, The Matrix, people were drawn to that because it spoke to them on a very deep level that there's a world that we cannot see that influences the everyday world that we participate in. Now, I'm not saying it plays out the way it played out in The Matrix, but that idea was uh, it. I believe one of the reasons for the popularity of the movie is because it spoke to us deeply, reminding us that we are part of a world and we function on a world, in a world that we cannot see directly because of the event horizon, if you will. Yeah. But it influenced our everyday, our everyday lives. And then the movies, uh, the very deep movie called Inception was about the power to dream with intent. So our, our most ancient and cherished spiritual traditions have always told us that we're in a dream. They say, this is the dream. And then, or the illusion or the Maya or the temporary world. And when we sleep at night, we dream within this dream. And the movie told us that it is possible. Uh, entire business deals were, were signed and delivered within the dream and then in the waking world, it was rubber stamped. And then the, the series, not long after that, Avatar, the series Avatar, and there's a new Avatar coming out, reminding us of, of this deep relationship we have with the natural world and, and how powerful that is. Yeah. And now, now look at the, the movies that the young people are drawn to of superpowers, Wonder Woman and the Avengers, reminding us that we have something within us, these untapped potentials. So if consciousness is informing itself through, and this is just the movies, so we've got books and music telling us the same thing. What is it that we're asking ourselves to remember about ourselves? And I think the answer to that question is the answer to what you're asking about our relationship in, in the world. Yeah, because for me, the belief is that consciousness is everything. And if you want to take it to that next level, which is Christ consciousness, and that's, you know, us having this conversation, it's the trees growing outside, it's the dog, it's the plants, everything that we have around us, even those downloads that we are getting is consciousness. Sure. And I heard someone once say as well, that even our thoughts are not our own in our own mind, but they're actually downloads that are coming down to us from, from a bigger consciousness, a call it a soup if you want. I, I think there, it's all possible. 
So I, I think what happens is, uh, what the science is telling us, I, I'm a scientist, I'm a degreed earth scientist, a strong background in the life sciences uh, and math, physics, and, and computer science. And it all works together, Joe, to help me stay current with the new discoveries that are, are coming fast and furious, so much so that, that the, the journals that used to be published every 30 days now publish supplements once a week to keep the scientific community informed of these, the new discoveries across all levels from the earth science and genetics and life science. And certainly uh, immune science is very popular right now. So what, what those sciences suggest is that we function within this field and that we receive uh, energy and information from the field through receptors. So some of those receptors are on the outside of the cells. Some of those receptors are the genes themselves. Some of those receptors are DNA. Some of those receptors are neurons. So we are interacting with this field through multiple receptors. But here's where it gets really interesting is that we receive the information, but we interpret it through the lens and the filters of our personal experience. And we've all had a different experience. We, can, we could be born, you and I could be brothers in the same family. We could be twins of the same age and we would interpret the language of our parents. We would interpret our discipline, our opportunities uniquely because of our filters. And this is what makes life so interesting. We have so many interpretations so many perceptions of what this field is, is saying to us and how we respond becomes our creations because we live our lives, we solve our problems, we heal our bodies, we choose our relationships based upon the way that we think of ourselves. It's, it's all about our story and our that's, story that's, is changing. That's amazing because one of the things that I read a while back was to do with our subconscious mind. And do you know where the different frequencies that the, the brain sets itself at from an early age, from zero to two, from two to seven and seven on. And sure. it's, so when a child is playing, it's subconsciously picking up all this information. And that, as the old saying goes, you know, give me a child from zero to seven and I'll show you the man because of the surrounding that's happening within within their life. And in one of your books as well, you know, you, you made it very clear that that family community is very important. And that's slipping away at the moment as well. Yeah, it's, you know, in my, uh, I'm not a political person, but it's very, very difficult now to separate the politics that determine the policies and the laws of our lives from everyday life. You know, where do you draw that line? One of the, the places in, I'll speak from my experience in my country, I'm, I'm in the U.S. right now, is the breakdown of the family. I think is probably one, it's like one of the, the white elephants in the room. It's such a big problem. Nobody wants to talk about it. They want to, they, the powers that be, they want to blame all these problems out there on external circumstances but the breakdown of the family um, in my state, I live in the state of New Mexico. We have, unfortunately, a very high 
percentage of young people that do not finish high school. And it is even higher now because of COVID, because uh, so many of those young people don't have computers in, uh, in their homes, so they're not learning online. So they now uh, are disadvantaged, and many of those families are fatherless families. So they are single mothers uh, attempting to work uh, multiple jobs, put food on the table, and to provide the environment to skillfully help these young people navigate life. And it is the breakdown of, of the family. It, it takes parents. It takes two. I mean, one person can do it. I'm the product of a single a parent family. My father left. Uh, I, I'm the product of a very dysfunctional alcoholic family, abusive alcoholic family. And my, my father fortunately left when I was 10. Uh, and my mother worked very, very hard to raise me and a, and a, a younger brother. Uh, and we were fortunate in that we learned to become a team. Yes, she was the authority figure. And we also found that we had to work together to create income. Uh, we were very, very poor, government-subsidized housing. And uh, we had to learn to, to do that. And some families have a, have a hard time arriving at that recognition. So when the family breaks down, uh, I, I personally believe that is the root of so many of the, the issues we're seeing in the United States and our society. I think that's it, it. You know, it's the same from all around the world. But when a family is close, so say if some people are separated or they are together, I think it's that communication that you need with the kids is, is very important. And we know at the moment we can call with COVID coming and with, there's, a, there's a talk about the Great Awakening. Mm. And what is the Great Awakening? You know, I've said in different shows that I believe that COVID is here to make us look at our political, economical, you know, look at our health systems, look at our financial systems, look at everything, because we've been sort of in that sleep mode, as one would say. So that's why it's a Great Awakening. And mm. I, the more people that I'm speaking to in all walks of life, because of what's happening, are starting to really sort of look for divine, look at source, look at God. You can call it what you what you will, sure. but they're all starting to realize that, okay, is there this feeling within me, which is a divine spark and a remembering who they are, which is part of their consciousness? They're, I agree. I agree. And different people interpret it different ways. Now, I'm, I'm a student of history. Joe, and if you read my books, you know that. And what I can say to you is it is no secret that we're living a time of tremendous change because it's been predicted. It's been calculated uh, through astrological and astronomical alignments. Our most ancient and cherished spiritual traditions from Hindu and Buddhist to the, the Native uh, Americans in, my, uh, in the desert southwest here in the U.S., the aboriginals, uh, you know, I mean, it goes on and on, have all told us that this time in history, now not this year specifically, but that this time in history, we could expect a tremendous change. It doesn't mean the change is good or bad or right or wrong, but it means the change is big. And what's driving that change is, as a scientist, I can tell you this, is that we are living a rare convergence of natural rhythms and cycles. 
Some of those cycles people know about because it's in the mainstream media. Climate change, for example. As a geologist, I can tell you that the climate change uh, is, a, is a natural rhythm. Uh, it was happening, the ice cores show us, it was happening before humans arrived. We are contributing, definitely. We need to stop burning fossil fuels, but we're not the cause. That's enough in and of itself to change the way we live. But with that cycle, there's also a cycle of human economics and innovation. And when we talk about economics, a lot of people think about money. But in truth, economies are about people. And the way that people share the things they need each day in their lives, vital resources like water and food and energy and medicine. So we're living in an economic, the close of one and the beginning of another economic and innovation cycle. And you can look at the rhythms and the charts uh, and they go back hundreds and hundreds of years. In the third cycle that uh, surprises a lot of people is we are actually living a peak in a cycle of human conflict. Now, when I, I spoke about this at the United Nations with my, my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Bruce Lipton, the people at the UN were surprised. They said, isn't conflict spontaneous? And the answer is it may be, but typically human conflict is directly linked to, uh, to magnetic, the strength of magnetic fields in the earth and the sun, social coherence. Uh, the, the authorities know this very well. The U.S. military knows this very well that social coherence is linked to these magnetic fields. And the formula is simple. When the magnetic fields are weak, we are vulnerable to conflict. And when the magnetic fields are strong, we're willing to cooperate and work together. And this is important because right now we are at the weakest point. We are between two solar cycles, between solar cycle 24 and 25. 25 hasn't started yet. So we are, we're at this vulnerable, it doesn't mean, I want to be clear about this, Joe, it doesn't mean that we are slaves to the cycles, but if we are not aware of the cycles, we can become vulnerable and susceptible. So when you put these all together, what it says, we're living as rare convergence, climate, economy, conflict, and the result is that anything that is not sustainable is lighting up for a healing. Even things that worked two years ago because it was a different energy, a different world two years ago. Those things that worked, if they're not based in something that's real and true, then when the environment changes, then those things are no longer working. So you look at what's breaking down elements of our society, elements of uh, certainly of our, our belief systems, our political systems, and certainly the, the way that our relationship to the earth itself. But there are a lot of good things like community that are doing really well. And we're learning that community is even more important now, perhaps, uh, than we realized. And so there are a lot of good things. It's not all bad. It's just a recognition of what's sustainable, what's not, what's based in nature, what's based in human ego and human greed, and then making the choices to move forward from, from that. Yeah, because it's, we've learned more now about compassion, empathy. You know, there's so many emotions that are drifting through everybody's and people are experiencing them. And you talk about the change, like in my research, I've, I learned that 
you know, all the planets have lined up the first time in 6,000 years. And this itself, as you said, has, is bringing new energy onto the planet. That part of that energy, I'm actually wondering because of what's going on with COVID and lockdown and, and the air changing, are we as human beings going through an evolution change as well? I would see it less, um, you, you could call it an evolution, but I, I'm a scientist. And I, when I speak to my community, of course, I have my personal beliefs uh, and I explore everything. But when I'm speaking to my community, I like to offer people something that I know is honest, truthful, factual. It is based upon rock solid science, not speculation, not theory. So when we begin looking at us in the context of this great change, we're living what is called a time of extremes. The extremes are driven by the convergence of the cycles. And when I show that to a live audience, Joe, I mean, it's, it's amazing. People look at that and they say, my God, of course, no wonder the world looks like it's coming apart at the seams because of, of these cycles. They said, why haven't we ever seen this before? Number one, number two, what it shows is that the change is intense, but it's brief. It doesn't go on and on and on. And that's important because the choices we make right now determine the way that we live as we come out the other side of, of the cycles, the policies and the laws. Now, where this gets interesting, number three, is the science is showing us, Joe, evolution. I'll just be very honest. I'm a geologist. I have seen evolution in the fossil record. I'm not a denier of evolution. Evolution is a fact yeah, for I some believe, yeah. yeah, for some, some forms of life. I've seen it for plants, animals, insects. The theory, Darwin's theory of evolution for humans breaks down because uh, it fails us in, in a couple of different places. The new DNA science allows us to extract the DNA from the ancient, the fossilized remains of the beings we thought we came from. And when we compare their DNA to ours, it's telling us we did not descend from those beings, number one. Number two, and scientists will agree upon this date, that we, as what are called anatomically modern humans, we showed up on Earth 200,000 years ago. That, that date is accepted. How we got here is the controversy. But here's the thing. We haven't changed. The idea of evolution, where we evolve and develop capabilities as they are needed over time breaks down because we showed up fully enabled, fully intact, with extraordinary capabilities already, the potential already within us, we haven't changed. But now the time of extremes, I think, is pushing us. Joe, to answer your question, that was the preface. I, I think we're being pushed to the edge of who we have been conditioned to believe we are. And we are being, in some cases, we're being forced to tap and realize this extraordinary potential, COVID may be just uh, uh, the perfect example because we have the ability, our bodies are so intelligent for 200,000 years, we have built the defenses for every contagion, 
every virus that's appeared. And even the vaccines that are being developed now, and I, I'm not anti-vax, I wanna be very clear about that. But remember the first part of this conversation, consciousness informs itself through its creations. So the technology that we build outside of us is reminding us of who we are inside. Vaccines are a perfect example because they mimic what our bodies already do, except we do it better if we are healthy, if we're robust, if we're vital. So I think the question, ultimately the question that we're all being asked right now, because we have this extraordinary potential within us, the question is, do we love ourselves enough to give our bodies what they need to live our lives in the way, to nourish our bodies in the way, to, to give our bodies what they need to be at their best and do what they know how to do? I think that's the question that's up for all of us. And the technology is out there. Vaccines are out there for people that want them, the external technology, but they mimic what we already do. You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. I, th I think you're spot on. And like we know that Darwin is being debunked. We know that if people really go searching and, and look, they'll see a lot of that. And even in you know some of your own work as well. The other part as well, epigenetics, you know, um, sure. Bruce Lipton can talk about it. And we, we know that if we focus on gratitude on a daily basis, 10, 20 minutes on gratitude, that can trigger our genes, which then can build up our immune system as well. But going into evolution, is this evolution that we are having at the moment, which I believe personally myself, it's not a physical, but it is a, an evolution of consciousness within our own mind yeah. that the percentage of our mind that we're using at the moment is is starting to expand as part of this great awakening and that's what i believe is the evolution of mankind that in the next decade we'll be using more of our brains than we ever thought possible i i agree joe and i i think this is i i think you're right on i think this is where the evolution is not only the next decade but since we appeared we haven't changed physically but there has most certainly been an evolution in consciousness. And I, I think what we're actually seeing right now, you know, I'm an optimist and I'm also a realist. And realistically, I think we will see a divergence in human society before we see the unity. And the divergence will be that some people are reluctant to embrace the ideas that we're talking about. It's just not part of their conditioning. It's not the way they've been raised. They're reluctant to embrace the power that lives within them. They're reluctant to embrace the intelligence of the body, the intelligence of the human heart that we talk about. The new neurons have been discovered. So those people are going to be all in on transhumanism, technology, replacing our natural technology, the soft technology of neurons and cell membranes and blood and tissue. This is a highly advanced, technologically sophisticated technology that we operate through breath and thought and feeling and emotion and focus and meditation and prayer 
an affirmation, all the things you're talking about. That's a technology. Yeah. It, for those people that are reluctant to embrace that, they will be all in on the external technology. So they're all in for the chemicals in the blood, the computer chips in the brain. And I'm not saying it's right, wrong, good or bad. There's another segment of the population that will choose to embrace their own potential. And those two, those two ways of thinking and living are going to happen simultaneously. And it will be our experiment. We'll get to see who's happy, who's healthy, who has the most fulfilling life. And I think from that, we will have the unity because one side is going to say, I want what the other side has, and we'll see where that goes. And I, I think it sounds like science fiction, but I think no, that's where, no, where we're going I, right now. It's going to be parallel timelines, yeah. really and truly. Yeah, that's that's where so. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're yeah. seeing we're seeing it right now. You know, we're uh, there is an adage that we've all heard, use it or lose it. And that adage applies to biology. And when we stop using critical functions in our biology or, or critical functions in our neurology, uh, the, the neurons begin to atrophy, the cells begin to atrophy. And what we're seeing is when we replace elements of our biology, we put chips in our brain that mimic what other neurons already do. Those neurons, they say, hey, we're not needed anymore. So they stop functioning. The next generation, the next generation, those neurons are no longer there. And this is how we begin to lose our humanness. So, and I'm not saying it's right, wrong, good or bad. What I'm saying is that this is an invitation for us. How can we know what aspect of ourselves to give away until we know our potential? And so I think where we are right now, our time of extremes, is driving us to understand what is the potential? What does it mean to be human? What, what abilities do we have that we're only beginning to understand? And from that answer, we will be informed of what technologies we want to embrace and which ones maybe not so much, you know? Where I think, again, goes into that parallel um, timeline. One is instant gratification they want it instantly now where the people that go down that spiritual path know that nature takes time know that it takes metaphysics metaphysics takes time for everything to get in order and by allowing that and taking a step back and breathing everything's going to be fine in, in the end be the be the tortoise not the snail or the, the the rabbit or the hare, whatever that story is, but you know what I mean. I know that I know that that yeah. story. Well, it's yeah. you know, we begin to to look at the context of the things we're talking about, then our world looks very different. If we rely completely on mainstream media to inform us of what's happening in the world, where we have arrived right now is the media. 24-7 is telling us everything that's wrong and all the things to fear, but they're not giving us the solutions. And what that does is it creates stress. And so yeah, we, have, we, we have a global population that's stressed right now. We, we could call it, you know, we know the mockingbird, and that's a whole new different conversation we, we could talk about. But it, mainstream media, it, it, it buys in on fear. It, I call it fear feeding, you know, and people that are tuning into that, 
I keep telling to people, if you switch off your TV and switch off all the news programs and go out and put your feet in the grass and do that for 10 days, you'll be a better person and all that anxiety and stress will start to dissipate. I, I think it's true. You know, and, and so many people are asking, uh, well, what they're asking is when things are going to get back to normal. And I'm sure you, you hear that as well. And I think we all sense that we can't go back to a world that no longer exists. There was a thinking earlier in, in 2020 that, you know, COVID was a little speed bump in the road of life. And we would get through that and then everything would go back to normal. But now we know that businesses no longer exist. Families no longer exist. People have lost their homes. They're finding new ways to, to create income and new ways to connect. We're, we're in the transition, but here's the beauty, Joe, is that we are in the transition and there is a future that has not fully identified or been defined. We're defining that future through the choices that we make in our lives right now. And so I think it's important for us. We cannot know with certainty what's going to happen in the future. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not a prophet. I don't know many people that are maybe a couple. <laughs> but here's the thing. If we can choose values that we cherish as families, as societies, as nations, as a planet, fundamental values like life, life itself, protect life, protect imagination, creativity, freedom, community. These are Sovereign. fundamental values. These values have been sidelined in the last 100 years in place of money, power, technology. And it has brought us to where we are now. I'm not going to judge it as right, wrong, good, or bad. It's where we are now. But here's the thing. From this point forward, if we bring those values and make them the foundation of the new policies, and this is my message to the UN. We just had a conversation uh, two weeks ago. Uh, I'm work, working with organizations that are, are really bringing this to, to the, the spotlight to identify the values that we cherish and then build the policies and create the laws around those values. If we preserve those values, we can't go wrong. Where we go wrong is this new world if we put into place the same thinking that we left, you know, last year before before the lockdowns. Yeah. If we put that same thinking in and the same people, we're we're going to have the same experience. So that's our opportunity to identify. And this is what I'm going to invite our, our viewers, our listeners and our viewers. What's important in your life, viewers? What do you cherish in your life? And how can you bring those values into the choices and the decisions that you support every day through Financially, through the businesses that you support, through the the people that you uh, you elect to to represent, I, ideally those values that you instill within your children, uh, and that you live every day in your life. And I think that's the workshop for all of us, Joe. I think that's it's, where we it, are. It's funny because I say to all my own clients is pick seven values because when you pick those seven values, you become those values, and they become you, and that's how you live your life. 
I'm, well, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. What, what what are some of the values that your clients typically pick? Do you are there common themes that show up? I ask them to pick seven. You know, mm-hmm. and like you know, there's spirituality, um, love, family, joy, ethics. You know, trust. These are the main frame. Laughter. These are the main frame that the people are coming with. And I, I've realized that everyone around the world, you know, all they want is to get on with their lives and not to have wars and not to be fighting with neighbors and not doing this. Everyone just wants to be every equally. We're all the same. We all just want laughter and joy and love in our life. That's it. You know, Joe, I have to tell you this. Uh, I spent, I'm, I'm closer to 70 right now than I am to 60 years of age and a, a good 40 years of my life. I spent exploring the ancient in the indigenous traditions uh, throughout the world. And what I found that was so interesting to me is that the, for the most part, the people of the world know how to get along. The people of the world know how to live together. It's a, a small handful of, uh, of people in governments and organizations that are having the problems, but it's not the people that are raising the family, sending their kids to work. We, we know how to, we know how to live together. And, um, and I think there's, it's worth noting. I think that's worth noting. And I think going back, I think mainstream media has a lot to do with that to put the fear into people. Yeah. They're different cultures. I did a thing there before December. I got people to light a candle every day and to say, we are all one. And the message was, forget about our borders, forget about our culture, forget about the color of our skin, forget about our nationalities, forget about it all. And just to remember that we are all one. And that was the message that I was asking people to do every day. I think that's a good place to to close our our time together today. The science is on our side. The science supports that message and tells us that anything other than that oneness is an artifact of our perceptions. And I think that is worth noting as well. It is indeed. I'm going to wrap up with just one thing because it's the one thing I want to ask as well. In your new book, um, I have, I've been honest, I haven't picked it up yet. I am going to pick it up because I've read a lot of your other stuff. You mentioned one person in it. And the one person I try and listen to all the time, and I still am trying to decipher their messages, and that's St. Thomas. Which new book? I have a few of them. Is this the Wisdom Codes? The, God, the God's Codes. The Wisdom Codes. The Wisdom Codes. The, the yeah. wisdom. So the Wisdom Codes is based upon, um, in my journeys, what I found is that people across cultures have always turned to certain words or phrases in times of need that they preserved as the prayers and the chants and the mantras uh, in, in their cultures, in their most sacred texts. And, and so this book is a collection categorized by the words that are used in times of loss, for example, or in times of fear, things like that. So St. Thomas. Uh, St. Thomas was an expression, a specific expression of a general theme that we see playing out throughout the spiritual traditions. And these these traditions, they come from the, the Hindu traditions and the Buddhist traditions, uh, the ancient Egyptian traditions and that we see under the pyramids, on the, 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 the temple walls, the oral traditions of the Native American uh, traditions. And, and they all tell us, Joe, they all tell us, number one, that we 
are we're not what we've been told. We're more than we've imagined and that we are part of something greater. And as we invite that greatness that is available to us into our personal lives, we become the best versions of ourselves. And they say it in different ways. And different people interpret it in different ways. Now, I think one of the places we get into trouble is, is when it's common for people, once they understand that deep truth, in their perspective, anything that does not match that perspective, they begin to judge. And in that judgment, they've fallen into the ancient trap. They miss the point. Because the whole point is that, uh, that we are all part of this, and there are many interpretations of this. But St. Thomas was a beautiful example. Moses was a beautiful example mm-hmm. of this. So not only are we part of something greater, but we all are born with the ability to invite that greatness into the cells of our being, into our, our, our biology, our physiology, and the techniques of breathing and movement and vocalizations and words and chants and mantras, those are all tools and techniques to help us uh, open the door to that greatness through vibration, breath, focus, thoughts, feelings, emotions, beliefs. And we begin to understand that without the boundaries. It's not religion. It doesn't even have to be spirituality. It's about being human and how a human functions in this world. We begin to really embrace that. Uh, I, I think that's where those boundaries fall away. And again, we, we learn to become the best versions of ourselves so that we can love. And I just, I want to say something in, in closing. I think really this is all about love. Do we love ourselves enough yeah. to live our lives in a way so that we are the best versions of ourselves? A lot of people are suffering right now. A lot of people are, I lost my mom to COVID right before Christmas. So I'm right in there with so many of our, our, our family that's watching this. Mm. And when we look to the ancient traditions about the power of loss, it's in our loss. It's only in the presence of loss that we are forced to find the capacity of love to heal that loss. So the deeper the hurt, the greater the capacity for our love. And I think this is a big lesson that we are all being faced with whether we choose to embrace it or not, because we've all lost something. We've all lost a way of life, Joe. We've all lost what we had, even if we didn't lose a human, you know, mother or father or husband and wife or brother and sister or friend. We've all, so we are all mourning the loss of a way of life and whether we acknowledge that or not. So the depth of our pain helps us to know our capacity to love. And if we can look at life and this time, from that perspective, uh, I think is a powerful opportunity for growth. So Definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, as you get out, the mind and the heart together, and it is finding peace in your own solitude. That's it. I, I think so. Greg, if, where's your website? If you know someone wants to jump on, where can sure. they reach out and buy your amazing books, listen to your amazing videos, do your courses? Do you know, well, there, there's, there's three questions there. So first of all, the website is uh, www, of course, Greg with two Gs, G-R-E-G-G, Braden, B-R-A-D-E-N.com. 
the books, you can buy books. Uh, typically, people buy them on Amazon. Most of them are on audiobooks and Kindle. I record all of the audiobooks myself. So it's my voice that's on the audiobooks. They're, they're sometimes a little different than the written book because we speak differently than we write. Uh, and extra. It, yeah, at, at the website, uh, you know, the any courses that are coming up, uh, not so much live events and not so much travel right now, but uh, you can go to the website and see what's out there. Uh, Joe, I want to thank you for the work you do and for the community that you've created. And um, just thank you for your trust, my brother, and inviting me onto your program today. It's, it's our first. I hope it's not our last. Greg, it's been brilliant. Thanks for coming on the show. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Take good care. And remember, here at Dublin South FM, we're interviewing plenty of people around the world, conscious leaders, and that's why we have the Conscious Business Podcast, which is part of the Conscious Business Academy, offering purpose, profit, and prosperity in your life through soulful selling, mindful marketing, conscious leadership, and creative culture. You want to reach out to me? It's joedalton.ie. You have an awesome week and take care and look after yourself.